Hello, welcome to the Kinky Boys podcast. I'm Craig. And I'm Arzer. Um, and yeah, unfortunately, this episode, we're not going to be bringing you any fun, funky new kink. Um, sorry about that. And just as a sort of a heads up and trigger warning, we are talking about difficult subjects. Today, we thought we would say a few words about the difference between BDSM and abuse. And sadly, there are certain events in the community which have prompted this. We do not want this episode to become sort of uh, a he said, he said type of situation. So we are going to avoid providing specific names or going into any details there because frankly, we are not the police, we're not there, we're not observing firsthand, but based on a lot of the disturbing stuff we've heard, we really do feel the need to say a few words about how to tell when you're in a dysfunctional relationship, when it's abusive, and also we would like to revisit a topic we have discussed in the past, and that is silicone, as our stance on that with regard to these events has changed pretty definitively. Uh, yes. Um, so what we want to focus on is abuse, particularly in this can be applied to any sort of abusive relationship or situation. But we're going to be focusing particularly on um, how it occurs in a BDSM relationship, because often those lines can be blurred and obviously you know, in a power exchange dynamic where there's a dom and a sub, it it's, can become murky. It's a fine line. It's a very yeah. fine line because the problem comes. Well, I mean, there are a few ways you can tell BDSM from abuse. Right. And yeah. I, I guess, you know, Craig and I will go back and forth on this a little bit. But for one thing, one of the telltale signs that you are in an abusive relationship rather than a BDSM situation is when the concern for a sub safety is secondary to whatever makes the dom feel good or whatever gets the dom aroused. There's there's just no other way to put this. BDSM is playing at abuse. It is not actual abuse in that in a BDSM exchange, the person who really has the power is the submissive. And that's because the submissive has the right to say, no, stop. It doesn't matter if you do that with a safe word. It doesn't matter if you do that with a hand gesture. It doesn't matter if you do that by actually saying no. A submissive should always be the one with the most power in a BDSM dynamic because they should have the right to say no. This is past my thresholds. I do not feel comfortable. I don't feel safe. I don't feel respected. I don't feel whatever. They mm -hmm. always have the right to say no. Yeah, um, and we're also going to get into the, uh, what can be difficult about this is all abusive relationships often happen through a slow boil and a slow erosion of boundaries. It's uh, true. We're going, and it can often be quite difficult because often they start off fine, and it's like this is a regular dom-sub relationship, and the dom will keep pushing and pushing buttons to make you agree to stuff that you're a bit unsure about. And it can be difficult. It, it's um, kind of the frog in the pot scenario, as, as you'd say. Yeah, yeah. For people that don't know, um, it's a rather gruesome image, but uh, frogs apparently have to be, like frogs or lobsters, have to be cooked alive. Uh, trouble is, if you put a live frog in a pot, it will immediately drop out. So what chefs do 
is they put it in cold water and slowly bring it to the boil and the frog doesn't notice the change. And in the same way, to continue the metaphor, as, as gruesome as it may be, that's kind of how abuse works, is if the abuser came off as a monster right from the word go, submissives would never enter into an arrangement with them. They'd be like, you're a complete a-hole. I don't know why anyone would want to speak with you. I'm leaving. Instead, they tend to come on all, you know, sweet. Um, they have a tendency to be very clever at analyzing people's uh, fetishes and likes and playing to them, uh, sort of the bait on the hook. And then as the submissive comes into the abusive situation, those trappings of, you know, any sort of real world equality or of a healthy power dynamic begin to erode and disappear. Yeah. And a lot of it isn't wielded by force. A lot of it is emotional manipulation, especially guilt. Abusers will often target people with emotional issues or mental health issues who already have essentially low or broken self-esteem already because they know they can mine and manipulate that far more easily. Also, it's it's important to note, I think, that when entering into a BDS scene, M scene, it's important for both parties to understand the difference between fantasy and reality. You know, we've all read stories or seen porno videos or watched animations with these extreme over-the-top and very hot scenes that are very hot in fantasy and in, you know, concept as fiction. But when they materialize as real life things, if you're not paying attention to making sure that the scene is realistic and safe and healthy, it's very easy to take those fantasies and translate them into a very unhealthy reality, like the reality of the person who's kept chained in the shed for years and, you know, never gets to see anyone else other than master and they serve them and they must. Yeah. And that's that in fantasy is hot. In reality, that is abuse. Yeah, it, like... It is okay for fantasies to remain fantasies and roleplay. People seem to have this big desire for, quote-unquote, authentic experiences. And sometimes it's okay just to let things be fantasy. And it's sometimes not high school. you need to. Yeah, and it's not high school. You're not trying to outcool the other kids by saying, look at how much more hardcore I am because I can take more. Uh-uh. Healthy limits. Don't allow yourself to get into a situation where you are so caught up in the headspace that you neglect to pay attention to what's going on in physical space around you, to your body, or even psychologically to your well-being. Mm -hmm. um, this reminds me of something that was said in a past episode by one of my Adam, our previous co-host. Um, he brought up a point where subs that genuinely seem to be seeking out full-time 24-7 dom-sub relationships often are looking for a kind of annihilation and because he's studied this he's studied the me medical literature behind it a lot of them show signs of also being suicidal because it's essentially craving a different way of annihilation you know it's interesting you should mention that because in my household and and for those of you who are unaware uh, i'm a dom i'm in a poly relationship i have basically four people that i'm in a relationship with 
And a bunch of us were over at the house watching the movie Annihilation. Uh, it's a science fiction film. If you haven't seen it, it's a great watch. Uh, strong female cast, all those great things. But at one point in the movie, one of the characters who's a psychologist says something that just completely resonated with all of us, especially with one of my boys who is actually a doctor of psychology. And that line is, very few people commit suicide, but almost everyone self-destructs. And what that basically means is suicide is a very conscious, sharp, sudden action. It's a decision that you're going to check out. But sometimes, oftentimes, it's more common for people to enter into a situation where they don't feel like their life is something they enjoy or want to retain and that they want to go out in a blaze of glory or a blaze of pleasure. So they start engaging in more and more self-destructive behavior that plays into their psychological issues. Um, there are a lot of arguments you can make about what qualifies as this and what does not. But this, I think, Craig, this is a good way for us to segue just briefly into why silicone has come up in this cast yeah we have in the past done an episode on silicon um we had a great guest for it fantastic um but since then there have been casual developments yes um as Uh, you will oh I'll, i'll let you go first and then i can pitch in after yeah sure i was just gonna say um we very much didn't fully understand the risks and we didn't fully explore the risks i don't well i feel that we couldn't really know all the risks because even the medical community hasn't had a chance to study this long term in terms of things that have happened cosmetically this seems to be something of a newer phenomena however what what we have come to understand so far and sadly this happened after uh, you will recall we had a uh, a cautionary addendum regarding the death of a person who went online by the name Get Bigger. Um, what initially seemed to be the biggest risk was during the initial injection, if someone hit a vein, it could the silicone could travel to your lungs or other organs. And specifically, if it travels to your lungs, it basically blocks blood cells from getting in there and oxygenating, and you suffocate in your own body. It's mm-hmm. terrible. But what we're coming to understand more and more is, first of all, we, we have understood for a while and we have spoken in this podcast about how it's not a licensed procedure. It's not like your doctor can say, I want to perform this procedure cosmetically. It is not a legal and safe procedure uh, anywhere in the United Kingdom that I'm aware of and certainly nowhere in the United States. But yeah. the problems actually continue after that. Um, there's a very good chance this silicone, because it is free-floating, does indeed get into other places that it should not be. Um, It just has to get into your bloodstream, folks, and you suffer. Oh, yeah, and that's it. You suffer trauma all the time when you're in a BDSM scene that you might not notice, but there are micro tears and rips and everything else that are probably plenty for silicone to enter your bloodstream. And so... It's not like the the risk ends. There's a very good chance at this point that everyone who has had this procedure done has significantly shortened their lives, and it's just a matter of time. Yeah. I mean, obviously, we talk about gay men doing this for extreme body modding, but the other group um, that a lot of this occurred around is um, trans people. Obviously, 
trans people are in a very difficult situation. Often a lot of them are on the poverty line because of employment troubles and getting hired and no family support. Um, It's common for a lot of people because they can't afford the procedure to go to essentially a back alley clinician to get silicone injections to feminize parts of their bodies or sometimes masculine can't say it masculine like uh, be more masculine yeah and obviously these that carries this risk in in the u.s uh some of these events where people would get together and have silicone injected were known as pumping parties and sometimes the silicone they used for the record was the same stuff you'd use in the bathroom to like caulk your tub or your sink it was by no means medical grade. It had no business being in people's bodies. And to this day, there are cosmetic surgeons who offer to help mitigate the damage from these procedures. But all of them agree, once silicone's in your body, it is all but impossible to remove. Yeah. It, for us, I feel it has crossed the line into too dangerous and just don't do it. Now, you may be asking yourself, why are these guys going over silicone again? They did one segment where they interviewed someone with this body modification, and then they did another addendum where they warned people to be very cautious about it. Now our stance has pivoted to, you shouldn't do it at all. You know, silicone, not even once. And the answer to why we're revisiting this is that there has been yet another death from silicone injection syndrome. It's documented on the death certificate and everything, and Part of what urged this person to proceed forward is that his inner circle normalized it. And that is just not something that you can do and expect a good outcome. Um, There's no licensure procedure for people who perform this procedure. There's no certification for the purity of the silicone. If the person injecting it hits a vein, you die. Um, if it gets to your organs, you can die. It's extremely detrimental to the tissues in your body. It shortens your life. The person who recently passed away died incredibly young. And it's a tragedy because he was a very caring and thoughtful and well-regarded person. And now he's gone because of a fetish. And it wasn't a healthy one. There's a difference. And if you're likely to die from it, it's not something you want to pursue. And you shouldn't let anyone else persuade you or cajole you or push you into getting it. That is dangerous. You are playing Russian roulette with your life. And also, there are other secondary consequences. How will your family react? How will your employers react? How will people on the street react? This is not something you can turn off and on. Once you do it, it's done. And it cannot be fully undone. There is not a procedure in the world to extract all the silicone back out. And worse still, it can disfigure you. Just don't. No matter who is urging you to do it or why you're doing it, don't do it. It is dangerous. Too dangerous. Uh, okay, so uh, so I, I think we should then... Uh, let's talk about the difference between what a slave contract is and what legal contracts are and how they should and should not, emphasis on the should not, interact. 
Well, Craig, I'll let you take point on the slave contract. And then once you're done, I can do legal from the U.S. standpoint. And then maybe you can come back in and discuss a little bit about the U.K. standpoint. Um, I don't feel like I have enough information. <laughs> Mostly um, the main, I'll say it now, the main U.K. Uh, contra- uh, legal position is you cannot consent to bodily harm. Technically speaking, a lot of BDSM is outright illegal in the country, but it's never held up in court. So the legal precedents are more friendly, but the written law is not. It's a it's a piecemeal in the U.S. Um, in the U.S., some states, again, have that you cannot consent to abuse thing, like my home state of Massachusetts. There's just they they love to write up laws that micromanage people, and this is one of the ones they did. I, I remember in the community very clearly, folks were also upset that you couldn't even own needles without a syringe for needle play. Um, there are a lot of states in the U.S. that are BDSM friendly and a lot that are not. And most of the ones that are BDSM friendly are on the West Coast or are concentrated more around places like New York or Chicago. Um, but now... Let's contrast that with what a slave contract is supposed to be. And the, the real difference here is with a slave contract, your master and you are setting expectations. That's all. You should not be giving over any legal power of attorney. You should not be waiving any rights. You should not be signing away any financial assets. The contract should just simply be, if I'm your master, here are the expectations. You'll show up to leather events properly attired and clean. You will, you know, address me as sir in these contexts. Um, You know, there may even be some thou shalt nots in there. You know, if you're going to go and, and have sexual relations with someone, clear it with me and make sure that you observe safe sex. Common sense stuff. There should never be anything that says you do not have the right because, no, you cannot sign away your rights. This is not real-world slavery. Real-world slavery is horrific. BDSM slavery is an arrangement between two people or more to gratify their needs in a way that is mutual and safe. And I know at some point, I'm looking at you, Instigator Magazine, safe, sane, and consensual became a dirty word for a while. Well, no. SSC must always be part of every scene. Yeah, it's yeah. This should be a best practice document. It should never go into le- your legal human rights or legal um, assets, finances, access to provisions, housing, shelter, um, social media. Uh, yeah. So let's let's pause for a minute and talk about money and why that shouldn't be a part of any of these contracts or arrangements. So when an abuser gets their hooks into you, one of the key things that's always on their mind is keeping you from getting away. They need to isolate your access to people who might intervene. They need to limit your access to legal authorities who may step in and possibly arrest the abuser. Mm -hmm. They need to make sure that they have you under control and quiet and complacent with nowhere to go. One of the ways they accomplish that is with money. If your dom says, you must sign over all of your money to me and your paychecks when they come in, they go to me and I'll give you like a, a you know, a debit card or a, a stack of cash or something based on your performance. Mm-hmm. 
get out. Stop. Don't do that. Don't talk with this person anymore. That is a classic abuser tactic. It's yeah, it's that crosses a boundary that will there should always be an escape hatch. Ask yourself if someone's asking you to do something and your immediate response is, well, what happens if anything ever changes? And you're relying on this person's goodwill or good faith to give you these things back. Don't do it. Yeah. And by the same token, we'll look at social media. If your dom Uh, says one more thing, which is beware of gifts as well. Yes. Gifts create a debt and they will try and use that both financially and emotionally. over. Yes. um, And some examples of that would be uh, rent money um money to travel or move um money for vehicles or transportation um you know gear most definitely gear because gear is a a great trojan horse for an abuser um you know if someone offers you some expensive piece of gear you could never afford on your own and you're you know thinking with the wrong instincts you can accept things that are quite expensive and valuable and that suddenly indebt you to that other person the if i may use a story a real life story um a friend of mine uh when visiting the u.s visited a dom he had been talking with online and the first thing he did when he got to the guy's house is he presented him with um a beautiful and i mean beautiful um i'm not sure what the word be carved leather like embossed and imprinted with this detail engraved engraved thank you with this intricate pattern and his name on it and as soon as he handed over he started listing off things like you can't hug anyone anymore you can't talk to these people anymore and and the my friend thank god was you know very cogent of the situation he was like i'm getting the fuck out of here i'm gonna buy the cheapest greyhound ticket i can find and get out (laughs) which is the right answer yeah 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 and you know, th- that's that isolation. You can't talk to anyone. You can't, you know, engage with other people without me being the interface. That that kind of does bridge into both the social media thing that we'd like to touch on and also the the family and friend relationship thing, which is to say another tactic your abuser may try is to isolate you from all the people who might hear something, say something or do something. Um, case in point, if your master says, I need to have all your social media logins, I have to have the password and I will set it to something only I know, and only I will be able to control your social media channels. That's a warning sign that should tell you already where your Dom's mind is going, which is I need to make sure this person can't get out a cry for help because they will probably want to once things get going. That's, yeah. And again, going back to the frog in the pot thing, they won't ask for this at the start. It'll often, and they won't tell you to stop seeing people. They will use guilt as a weapon. They'll go, well, I just don't feel comfortable. I think that guy's against me. You know, it's him or me. Don't you love me more than him? Appearances. And then they'll go and go and they'll hit you with it. Especially if you try and keep in contact in certain ways, they'll just apply the pressure slowly to the end where it's like, well, I don't trust you anymore. If if you love me and want me to trust you, you will hand over your password. Yeah, and, and a lot of times they'll use the whole, how will this look to other doms? Uh, to, yeah, to respectable doms, it will look like you have a submissive that has a life. 
as all should, to dodgy doms, I'm sure it sounds like, oh, of course, they should never, ever be able to speak with anyone who isn't me. Uh-uh. Yeah, it's... And if you... If you're listening to this and you recognize certain elements from that description, also start changing your password frequently. Because, you know, when you're living with someone, you can easily pick up their password. Change it monthly. You know, if you need to keep a system to keep it going, that's fine. Just make sure they don't gain easy access to your stuff. And and here's your friendly neighborhood IT Dom stepping in for a second. Mm -hmm. Enable two-factor authentication and don't let people have access to your second factor, which is usually your cell phone. Your cell phone in this day and age is the equivalent of your wallet and your filing cabinet and a whole bunch of other things besides. No one should ever have unrestricted unilateral access to your phone unless you're a minor and your parent or teacher has done it. So for all of you adults out there, your phone should be set up for two-factor authentication because then people will not be able to reset things on you without your knowledge. And your phone should be properly secured. Use a thumbprint ID, use face Mm -hmm. ID, and do not let people coerce you into unlocking. Yeah, I mean, on that note also, face ID isn't that secure if no i know it i know it's an inconvenience but use a passcode keep to a passcode yeah that's and also make sure you use the long one there are some iphone models where you can use just a four-digit code on either your watch or your phone that's not enough go for the full six do all of that and also while we're talking about your phone and your watch you should know what emergency features are available on it in the event however unfortunate and horrifying that you need help right then and there and you're not able to do anything else if i can i can give you the apple standpoint i don't know what's on the latest android models these days but there is something called sos mode on your apple watch and your apple phone and if you use your iphone with this feature Basically, start to follow the procedure you would to power down your handset, and you should get multiple options, assuming you have the latest version of of the operating system. One of them will, of course, be to power down, but there'll be something else marked SOS. And if you flick that slider over and accept it, it will reach out and it will get emergency help for you. No questions asked. The same feature is available on your Apple Watch. If you hold down the button that's just beneath the digital crown, you will get a menu that comes up, and that, too, will have... SOS mode. And that's extremely handy if someone has gotten a hold of your phone but doesn't realize your watch can do that. Use your watch to do that. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I think we should move on to myths and misconceptions about abusers and abusive situations. Yes. Um, Uh, I feel like the culture in general is very poorly served by portrayals in media yes csi in particular has gone a long way toward holding up a funhouse mirror to what bdsm means well, not just that just abuse in general and how the people act especially when yes. it comes basically most stories if someone's an abuser in an abusive relationship they will be very clearly a mush mustache twirling villain very aggressive with everyone very hard and like, you could spot them from a mile off that this person was off. Oh, yeah. That's but not that the case. No, and that's also part of another myth, which is, well, these are all adults involved. And so the people who, you know, got injured or hurt or killed or whatever, that's on them. 
to a degree, yes, but these are not psychologically healthy situations. People are not fully in possession of their right minds when they're being abused because their abuser makes sure that they're not fully in their right minds. Their abuser does everything possible to distort their view of reality around them and the circumstances and why people are telling them to get out. So that's another myth right there is that somehow the abused have it coming because of a choice they've made. Absolutely not. And if you're being abused, don't let anyone tell you that horse crap. You are entitled to stand up for yourself and your well-being. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, often abusers will try and frame themselves as the victim, not just to the abusee, but to the people around them. They will be very vocal and often quite open about ways the abusee has hurt. And yeah. this, this gets into um, a particular thing called the perfect victim fallacy. Yeah, where a small mistake suddenly becomes a huge mistake in the eyes and words of the abuser. Say, um, you didn't bring a drink quickly enough for your dom, or you um, talked with someone and said something they didn't like. Suddenly, or, or you hung out with someone in a very platonic context and they didn't like the appearance it gave. Suddenly that will become, Could just be I can't... the way you stood up to them. If you stand yeah. up to them and they then say, well, I feel unsafe. Um, there's actually a good portrayal of this that was dealt with and it's in a kid's show. So I'm a big Steven Universe fan. And one of the ongoing stories they have is essentially in a very blatant analogy for an abusive relationship. And it dealt with the fact that the victim in the situation, when they were pushed, lashed out as a defense mechanism. And the abuser then used that example of lashing out as a, you're awful, I'm the only person that would love you. Yeah, that, that's, that's something abusers love to do also, is to cultivate a sense of worthlessness in their subs. Um, and they will use this guilt mechanism to do that. Um, by amplifying molehills into mountain, that makes it easier to tell a sub. And because you did this thing, which in reality had very little consequence and which they portray as having great consequence, you're not a good person. You're a bad person. You're, you're crap. Who would want you? Only me. You have nowhere to go. That is a uh, lie. And again, they broadcast it publicly to people around you, to friends, to family, to try and undermine your support net. Yeah. And you have to make sure that the people in your life know what's going on, not just for, you know, one night where you're like, well, I'm, I'm hooking up with someone new. I'm not really sure about them. Can you please, you know, check in on me? This goes for like people you've been seeing for a long time too. talk with your friends about how your relationship is going. Let them know, you know, how things are going. And if someone's upset about you talking about your relationship, maybe there's more to talk about that you should be talking about yeah um i mean this is the thing abusers tend to be very charismatic people to you and to the people around them and the public facing world and a lot of people do fall into the trap of well i know him and he's a sweet guy and it's like but the face he is showing you is a sweet that doesn't mean he's sweet to people in his care I'm sure Benito Mussolini was charming at dinner parties, but uh, didn't make him a better person. And it can be tough. It can be tough because I am speaking from experience here. You can have that little niggle that something's wrong with this relationship and the person will talk you out of it and say, no, no, we're, we're just having difficulties or it, 
you know, it's no big deal. Um, and, you know, you'll believe them because they're charming and they they don't just know what buttons to press with the people they're abuse, immediately abusing. They know how to press your buttons, especially if they know you. Yeah, a, a, a practiced abuser will know. I mean, the best metaphor I can use is the old octopus and a bottle metaphor, where the octopus looks all around the outside of the bottle with the cork in it eventually figures out how to pop the cork and get inside, it studies the bottle very carefully for its weak points. That's kind of how an abuser works. An abuser will psychologically look at you all the way around, figure out where all the inroads are to your darkest fears and insecurities, and they'll squeeze in that way. Um, Going back to portrayals, one of the things media often does is portray abuse as constant. And a lot of people will use that to excuse it for themselves or the situation they're in, saying, well, he's nice most of the time. You know, it, they can go for weeks without an incident that undermines their confidence or situation, but and then it turns. It's it's like most other things that you graph or chart. There are peaks and valleys. It's It's not a constant plateau. And that's also how abusers hold on to you is they kind of get a sense for how far they can push you before they risk losing control. And they will come right up to that line again and again and again and do their best each time to move that line, that barrier out a little bit farther so that they can go even farther the next time. It's again, frog in a pot. Yeah, and it and it can be very hard to spot, especially from the outside. But listen, if you are listening to this and any of that comes up and you've thought, well, he sometimes does that, but he's nice most of the time. This is a warning sign. This is a wake up call. Really consider if this is the kind of the behavior that is healthy, that is going to keep you safe. And if this is the behavior you want to put up with the rest of your life. And I do want to point out one other thing. As we've mentioned throughout um, this part of the, the show, Abusers will try to convince you that you have no worth, no value, you can't do anything right, that you're shit, only they will have you. This is how you can immediately spot the untruth of that. If you had no value, if you were a horrible person, why would they want you and want to hang on to you so badly? It's illogical, but they don't want the abused to stop and look at that statement and go, huh, if that's the case, why are you so invested in me again? It's a, it's a lie you can easily disprove. Yeah. I mean, also be wary and aware if you're getting into a new relationship around relationship milestones. Because they're actually, when a lot of this stuff kicks in, um, there's actually been interesting reports on domestic abuse, like psychological, physical, and marriage. And what a lot of people will say is they were fine right up until we got married. Because, of course, then you're legally entangled. Um, you're financially entangled often it's when you move in together and it marks a clear point when the abuse starts in that relationship it's also interesting to note that that is also when stress increases in a relationship marriage is not a walk in the park and that is one thing that will often trigger an abuser is sometimes an abuser is someone who does not deal with stress well in their life and so they take out their own anger and frustration and poor coping skills on the submissive. So if you notice there's a pattern where your dom has a bad day at the office or loses some money or has some other life stressor come up 
and then suddenly they're always taking it out on you, that is a warning sign that you are in an abusive relationship. Yeah, just being someone's spouse does not mean being their emotional punching. No, it's it's and, the opposite. It's a partnership. I mean, even in a non-abusive relationship, I find this like a negative behavior that props up a lot because you get used to the the person in your life being there and they're sort of essentially part of the furniture. You feel all right to be angry around them and frustrated and you end up snapping at them and, um, you know, the anger comes out. And again, this... I'm not talking about abusive relationships. I'm just talking about negative behavior patterns in most relationships. Yeah, people have bad days. But the problem Mm. becomes when the bad day crosses over from, I had a really bad day at the office and I'm stressed out. Oh, okay, honey, would you like to talk about it? Sure. And goes instead into, I had a really bad day at the office. What the hell have you done around the house all day? I'm busting my ass every day. And here you are sitting around on my dime. Mm -hmm. That's an example of abuse. Uh, Yeah, so let's. Yeah. So to recap, um, just because they're nice most of the time doesn't mean they're not abused. It just means they're waiting or and again, or it's not even that they're waiting. Often it's just the abuse comes out in stress and that's not an excuse and it doesn't mean it's okay. Exactly. All of us lose our temper now and again. The difference becomes when we don't know how to deal with our temper and it translates into something hurtful and harmful to someone else. And abuse, again, to recap, abuse will not start immediately. It will creep in. So always, always be looking back. And it's like, he wasn't doing this months ago. He wasn't doing this weeks ago. And it's getting worse. And just be aware of things. And if you have to, and I know that in an abusive relationship, sometimes people will be trying to get into your documents and your files and everything. Find some secure way to journal what you're feeling, what's going on, and look back at it. Nothing helps you determine that you're in an abusive relationship like keeping records. Keep a record of what's gone on. Keep it written down somewhere. Look at it when you feel the need to sort of sanity check yourself. And if you see that you're consistently writing down that so-and-so made you feel awful, abusive or not, that's not a relationship to save. Yeah, um, the other thing is, I know this is an option for everyone, but find a friend to talk to about this. There's this thing in our society where a lot of people, especially if they're going through stresses with their partner, feel like they can't talk to their friends about it because they don't want to badmouth their partner to their friends. And you're uh, entitled. Oh, go on. I was going to say it's just part of friendship is being able to share that. And, and it's part of- very healthy. Sorry, I keep. <laughs> and it's very healthy for both people in the relationship to have others they can talk to when they're stressed to just let it out and breathe and just like my partner. If I do something to frustrate him and he talks to one of his friends, I'm fine with that because that's healthy for him. Yeah, and you're entitled to your opinion too. When you talk with your friends, don't hold back. Don't feel like, well, if I say this, I'm not really being loyal to him. That's exactly how abusers get you to not talk with your friends about the stuff that matters. Feel free to talk about your feelings and don't censor yourself if there's something that's really bothering you, but you feel like if you say it, you're not being loyal. That should not even be a consideration. If it's bugging you, if it's causing you distress, talk with a friend, a family member. If you're religious, go, you know, talk with your priest or your imam or whomever it is you go to and get some, you know, objective opinions about what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so I think at this point we should we've actually written out a section for abuse warning signs we've covered a lot of them already but I think it's worth going over them bullet pointed yes definitely and I will catch up on our script again where that was um I'll let you lead off yeah so we've already undergone in the legal section financial control they should and never have unilateral financial control of your assets or income um legal control we've gone over um you need to retain your rights do not sign them away do not sign legal documents a slave contract is one thing but make sure when you look over it that there isn't even anything that could remotely be interpreted as signing away your actual legal rights mm-hmm. i mean to go if we're talking about legal and financial things, a lot of people have the fancy of being the kept houseboy. You do the domestic work, you're the slave, you work, but you're also kept and kept in food and thing. Like, personally, I don't think you should be aiming for that. But if that's your bag and you're really going to do it, keep a deposit. Keep a deposit and savings safe. So you have a little pile of money if you ever need to leave and get yourself set back up and money to live off you will have it there and then yeah always have the escape hatch yeah as they say in the spy films here in the u.s you need to have a bug out bag which is to Mm -hmm. say all the stuff you need if you have to hit the road in a crisis and that also goes beyond money change of clothes uh identification you know if you are in a situation where you think you might have to go in a hurry and you know, sometimes people wind up in that situation, if we, as we've said, very gradually and don't even realize they're getting there. But if you start to feel like you're getting there and you need to go fast, assemble everything you need so that you can go fast before the other person has a chance to block you. Um, with everything going on the last few days, I've made a point to message all of my friends and say to them, if you're ever in a bad situation, you can turn up at my, our door. No questions asked. And you can sleep on our couch. You don't need to ask. You don't need to plan ahead. If it is that bad, just turn up. Yes. Um, and I mean, the same thing goes out to my friends as well. I try to be very careful about who I take into my house because sometimes, you know, you do things out of the best of intentions. But when it comes to abuse, no questions asked. It really cannot be a situation where you go on a, you know, why don't you go find someone else? I'm sure you've got someone else on your list. If someone comes to you and they've been abused, I think it's incumbent upon all of us to say no questions asked. There's a bed or a couch or somewhere for you to stay and, you know, in the morning, we can talk about how we're going to get you back up on your feet. Yeah. Um, so next is insistence on body mods. And that is definitely somewhere that people frequently run into trouble. Um, this is unrelated to any of the stuff that's prompted this episode. This happened years ago. And I remember when I saw it, I was utterly horrified the pictures were all over the internet fortunately the the victim in that case went on to get out of his relationship and um seems to have bounced back but his master at the time had him basically get some very extreme tattoos including some with white supremacist and hate imagery in them um shrek marks and so on oh my god oh they weren't subtle either his whole body was covered with demonic and white power stuff um it was absolutely horrifying it was done completely in the public view um i have heard subsequently that uh, the sub said it was one of the worst mistakes he'd ever made in his life 
if your dom is insisting on you changing your body in radical ways that make you stop and go, hey, now, I don't know about that, then the answer is they need to not be doing that. Any body modification you undertake should be mostly for one person and one person only, and that's you. It's your body, and you should be paying attention to the risks and also to what things would look like if you ever did break up. Do you really want a tattoo on you that says property of master so-and-so if master so-and-so and and you someday break up? Probably not. I mean, even non-BDSM relationships, don't do couple tattoos. Just don't. No couple tattoos, and especially nothing that will show or inhibit your work if you're uncomfortable with it. It's Because again, that is a way to isolate you. Yeah, the, the, the more shocking they make your appearance in line with their fetishes, the less likely you are to get away from them, in their opinion. But the fact is that a lot of us in the community also have to realize that people who have undergone extreme body modifications in some of these relationships, again, were doing so under duress in abusive situations Mm -hmm. and still need help no matter what tattoo has been placed on them, no matter what changes have been made, you know, with saline or uh, pardon me, with silicone or other stuff or piercings, you need to be able to look past that and see what's going on with the person if they show up on your doorstep. Yeah, we're going to have to talk about community responses and community responsibility. Yeah, I I think so. Um, Well, let's let's go on to another topic. Um, Enabling unhealthy behaviors. Craig, would you like to lead off on that one? Uh, So obviously, one of the big things is drugs. (sighs) If someone gets in a bad row of drugs, it can be very easy to manipulate and control them. And it also gives them something legally to hang over. Both situations are not ideal. Yeah. And crystal meth is something that people will often try to push you into because it can be abused in a way to uh, elevate the highs in sex. Even Mm -hmm. if once you hit those highs, it causes problems that people don't think ahead about. And, you know, living with someone who deals with drug and substance abuse issues, one of the big things is you should never let anyone push you into meth because once you experience that meth high, you're ruining sex for yourself forever because there will never, ever, ever, ever be a moment in your life that is as intense as that first hit on meth. It is a one-shot deal that you'll never be able to fully recreate and chasing that rabbit down the hole will destroy you. I mean, I have heard a horrifying, I mean, London has a huge meth problem, but um, I've heard horrifying, a lot of horrifying stories where people are in a sling or at a party and they just get injected without their consent. And And that's the thing that kicks them off. And and for the record, if that ever happens to you, that is assault. That is not Mm -hmm. a hot scene. That is assault. Um potentially, depending on what they inject you with, potentially even attempted murder if it's something that has a high risk of fatality. Um, I had a friend, have a friend, haven't heard from them in a long while, who got on meth very briefly because someone said, oh no, just one little bump. The next time I talked to him, it was, well, I just take a little bit now and again just to take the edge off, but I'm trying to get off it. And I have now not heard from him in years. And I don't even like to think about where that may have led, but just as we're saying there are certain other activities where there is no safe level there is no safe level of meth there is no just taking the edge off that's just addiction look i've used this uh, i use this analogy time and again drugs 
are like credit cards. They all come with a certain amount of debt and interest. You've got stuff like weed, which, um, you know, is fairly easily repayable, if you think of the credit card metaphor. Meth is a loan shark. You're never going to pay it off. And it's only going to get worse. Yeah. And and also just to say anything taken to extremes is bad. Let's go back to weed, because I actually live in a U.S. state where marijuana is legal. And you can buy it over the counter, um, regardless of whatever the feds think. It's state legal. And what is now being discovered in the United States as weed is legalized and people have more access to it is there are consequences for extreme overconsumption. Um, I think it's cannabinoid syndrome or something. I would have to look it up. But basically, it's a condition where you get splitting headaches and pain unless you're in a super hot shower continuous. That's what can happen if you take even something benign to an extreme. So just keep in mind, there's there's nothing so benign that you can't take it to a bad place if you do too much of it. Oh, yeah. You know, pain like over the counter painkillers will rot your stomach if you take more than like a few pills. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've known people who where there was basically in a bit of a fugue from an operation, took too many painkillers because he lost track of time and he ended up in hospital. And these were just, you know, over the counter. I don't know what you call them in the US. We have like ibuprofen and paracetamol and um well what it sounds like you're talking about is just uh analgesic yeah 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 but um yeah i mean just there's there's just nothing that taken to an extreme isn't harmful all things in moderation and yes including moderation um but let's let's move on to um the next topic under unhealthy behaviors your dom might try to push you into unsafe sex is definitely high up there um and I'll, I'll give an example. If your dom insists that you need to be the party favor for the night with a whole bunch of people that you don't know and without protection, mm-mm, that's, that's not a hot scene. That's setting you up for damage. Yeah, yeah. It's Your body is always sovereign. Even in power exchange relationships, you always get the final no. Yeah. And then um, finally, let's, let's go into like, also psychological problems that feed into kinks um sometimes doms will recognize that someone has some psychological ailment that they can exploit whether that's anorexia if they want them to be thinner bigorexia if they want to like you know force them to take steroids and silicone anxiety disorders um all sorts of insecurities. If your dom is feeding the demons that are riding on your back because they tend to herd you where he wants you to go, that's abuse. Yeah, if, like if you're in the bigger exit category, if your dom is just saying without stop, I need you bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, that that that's going to lead to a very dark place. Yeah, your your organs are not meant to sustain. Mm-hmm the type of, of load that intense steroid abuse brings about your, you know, silicone enough set on that topic. Um, we've talked about tattoos, you know, where, you know, people are insisting on, you know, if you, if you really love me, you'll let me do this to your body. Um, just don't let someone find your, your weak spots and pry them up and make them worse so that they can control you. Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing which we would target is low self-esteem. That is the number one thing abusers look for. Right. Because once you realize you have worth, their power ends. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think that in a lot of regards, we've gone over the other stuff we had um, tagged for this part of the program. We've we've gone over communication restrictions, um, restricting phone control. Um, I do want to give one pro tip, though, on making sure that if you're meeting a new dom and you're concerned and you want to have an out, that you can actually do that. If you're meeting with a new dom for the first time, find a trusted friend, let them know where you are. And then if you're really concerned, just say, look, uh, I'm going to call and check in with you every, say, two hours. And if Mm -hmm. I miss one of those check-in windows, try to give me a call. And if you can't get me, for heaven's sake, call the police and send them to this address where I am. Um, That way, even if someone seizes your phone and takes it away from you, there is a ticking clock on when the police will be notified that something's going wrong. Yeah. And again, don't don't let them isolate you. Make sure you keep in contact with friends and family. I mean, I know with gay men, a lot of the time, families are not ideal, often abusive to gay men and unhealthy. Um, but friends, at least. Keep friends. And if they are your friends, even if you've had a falling out, if you turn up on their doorstep in need, they will help you. I'm and we're say all... That. Oh, uh, not to interrupt, but also we're going to provide some resources um, in the show notes and also we'll, we'll throw out some names at the end of the program of organizations that will help you if you don't feel you have anyone else to turn to. There are organizations in just about every country to assist with abuse. Mm-hmm. Like There are networks set up. You can even like charities are doing brilliant things. There's even um, a scheme in the UK where they're recycling old um the old nokia phones essentially giving to abuse victims as a backup phone that they can hide yeah and you know also in this day and age there are so many ways you can get access to communication channels if someone seized control of all of your social media accounts before you had a chance to stop them you can always file for another gmail account you can always file for a a hotmail account or Go to your local public library if you can get away and access a computer there. There are all types of locations where you can get a hold of resources to communicate with other people if your communication channels are being interfered with at home. Yeah, I mean, I mean, to use an example, our local McDonald's has tablets taped to the eating area. And you can use them to go onto the Facebook website or social media website of your choice. Exactly. Um, just think flexibly. If, if your abuser has taken your devices from you and says, well, you know, now it's, it's just you and me. Uh-uh. Now it's just you and all the other vast communication resources that exist in our world. It is very hard to cut someone off from communication without their consent. So don't give your consent. Okay, so we need to move on to legal threats and physical. Um, I think this one, we've gone over a lot of the legal threats already, which is, you know, sign this contract and sign away your rights or it's over. Well, the answer to that is, well, it's over. Um, And for physical threats, there's a big difference between, you know, a scene where you're being flogged and have the ability to use a safe word or a hand signal or just plain say no and being physically hit and abused and kicked or whatever else and not being listened to and respected when you say stop right now yeah it's i mean it can be pretty awful i i know a friend who he was in an he was with an abusive dom and he was put into such pain he dislocated his shoulder trying to get out the scene and Oof. after the scene ended um the dom basically he didn't 
use these exact words, but everything about the way he argued it was essentially, well, it's your fault for not enjoying it. And I do want to put out a word here for, for my fellow doms. You are super responsible for safety in your scenes. And I will give an example that happened when my uh, slave up in Canada was visiting me just very recently on vacation. Um, he's very much into hypno scenes and cyberization and all of that. So I had a scene planned where I put him up in a suspension rig and being the, the high tech dom I am, I put an Oculus uh, device on his head with a movie I'd prepared and we were going to do a, a little cyberization scene. It wasn't too long after I got him up and secured and made sure all the, the paracord was in place and strong and, and had good knots and that he was stable and that the rig was on that he said, I think I'm going to pass out. And it caught me just completely by surprise. I had just put him up, suspended him. I had just put the headset on. We hadn't even really done anything beyond that. And before I knew it, I heard the harness just creak under his weight and he passed the fuck out. You had better believe that regardless of the cost of that device, it came off his head at light speed. I immediately checked in on him. Wake up, wake up. He responded and I got him out of there so fast. And mm -hmm. I never tried that scene again because clearly there was something I didn't understand about the interaction of the VR headset and being suspended off the ground. Day, I think he just had basically a, some type of sensory overload. And then after the scene, he came back to me and said, well, maybe we can try it again. You know what my standpoint was? Absolutely mm -hmm. not. That was the warning shot. You don't push it. And I was just about three footsteps away from running up the stairs and pushing the emergency medical button on the security panel upstairs. It's up to you to pull the handbrakes on a scene, even if your sub really wants it, if it's not safe. Yeah, it like really people as much as we talk about it in hot play, people are not property. They are not things. They are people and you need to treat them. Yes. And you can't plan for every eventuality, but you can sure try. Make sure that you have a plan B, you know, your sub safety comes before everything else. I mean, going back to legal threats, I think it's important to bring up sometimes don't like the abuser will try and use the legal system against people, especially things like small claims court. Again, if there's been financial things or damages or they will try and use like the th legal threats to get you back. Now, this is also where journaling can help you. Because remember, uh, when an abuser plays up the whole, I'm going to take you to court card, they usually do that because they think you won't call their bluff. But remember, abusers want you isolated from the public eye. They want you away from people who might render help. Usually when you call their bluff and say, OK, take me to court, um, I'm also going to be talking about this, 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 this. And why don't we see what happens from there? you will see this big puffed up person suddenly deflate because mm -hmm. they don't want to be in a court or near a cop. Yeah. This doms spin an abusers spin an illusion. They're, they are essentially puffed. They are trying to make themselves seem bigger and more intimidating and more powerful than they actually are. And it's, it's a powerful illusion because a lot of people are firmly in headspace when they're in these abusive situations. That's why subs i know you don't like to hear it you have to be careful how deeply you go into headspace because there is a line on mm -hmm. one side of that line is a fun hot scene and on the other side of it 
is damage, harm, and sadness. And you don't want to cross over that line. Yep. Um, also on the legal thing, and going back to journaling, if you are having negative interactions with them on, say, um, a messaging service, most messaging services will let you take a backup copy of all records. Skype, you can download it. I believe it's a text file and zip files. Um, same with Facebook Messenger. And I believe, again, most popular messaging services will let you take a backup. Make sure you do, because these will provide evidence in court if you need it. One of the biggest problems for abuse cases is most abusive relationships are not physically abusive. They are emotional uh, and psychological. And obviously the law is not built around to deal with long-term psychological abuse, especially if you need to prove that that you were pressured into something or you was not in the right mind when you took an action, pressured by the abuser. You need to show a pattern of behavior. So record and back up everything. Yeah, screen caps. You know, if you don't know how to take one on your phone, look up the instructions for your model. Um, Same goes for your computer. And have a secure place to stash your records again. Um, Find some place that your abuser is unlikely to see if you feel the need to document some stuff and yet aren't fully away from them yet. There are all kinds of services. Open up an email account they know nothing about and a Dropbox account they know nothing about if you have to. But keep it somewhere that they can't get to it and alter the record because they will be looking for these sorts of things. Mm -hmm. So let's carry that on into prevention cessation and escape i think that's a good plan um so i think that a few of the things you know we've gone over a lot of this in a lot of different ways so i think we can kind of check down the list um if anyone tells you that safe words are for you know wimps or whatever no they're not say if you're in a scene where just saying no isn't going to be sufficient because you're play acting and no is part of it Make sure that you have something you can say. Whenever I'm, I'm running a scene like that, I make sure it's a word that is impossible to mistake for another word. Um, I'm from New England and I have a dark sense of humor, so I use rhubarb because, <laughs> uh, to my knowledge, no one is going to, in the middle of a scene, uh, say, oh, God, rhubarb, um, unless they want out. Um, so also, if, you're, if your speech is going to be restricted with a gag or something or you're not going to be able to use your, your mouth because of the scene you're doing, hand signs, you know, if you arrange so that like, if you hold out your three center fingers, that means stop right now, something's really wrong. And your dom had better damn well honor that too. Nonverbal is still a sign that you want it to stop. Yes. Um, learning this first, pretty much covered that. Um, yeah, learn your rights as an individual and learn specifically what, um, a lot of stuff which doms, uh, abusive doms will try and get you to sign away will not hold up in court. You legally cannot sign away, away your own human rights. Yeah, I mean, you're... Oh, go on. And I was just going to say, it's good to know these things. And it's we live in the information age. And if you use a library computer or a public tablet, like, in, like fast food restaurants are having nowadays, or even just using your own browser with um, like the incognito mode, you can safely find out your own rights um don't allow them power of attorney i mean i'm not sure about the us but i believe in the uk you can have at least two people with power of attorney i'm i'm not so sure about that um it's it's always so hard for me to know what it is but usually i believe power of attorney 
it's typically granted to one person. And of course, I am not a lawyer, um, but I would I would have to check because also remember, the United States is a crazy quilt of laws. Um, what's legal in one state is sometimes not legal in another. Um, so there could be state laws at play. And sometimes when those things come into conflict, it has to go all the way to the Supreme Court to be resolved. Um, so I, I don't really know I can that I can give a blanket statement about how power of attorney works across all 50 states. Yeah. Um, again, this is something a lot of abuse charities will be have this information to hand and know very well how it, how it can be applied. So please check abuse charity websites and phone lines. They will be very well equipped to help you with this. Yeah. And we will be, again, giving out some of those in, in just a bit. And uh, I guess the final thing to touch on would be well-being protection. And when you hear that, I'm like, well-being, what do you mean? We've been talking about preventing people from hitting me and how to get away physically. Well-being is something that goes on inside you, inside your head. It's it's your psychological state of mind, right? Mm -hmm. And you need to make sure that you protect what's in your head as much as you protect your body. Um, remember, you have worth and value. You do. It's it's already obvious. If you didn't, your abuser wouldn't be trying to cling on to you so much. Never let them convince you that you don't have worth or value, and especially don't let them convince you of what other people think of you. Chances are when they say, you know what everyone thinks about that, they're not really talking about everyone else. They're talking about themselves and the narrative they're spinning around your abuse. Don't let yourself get gaslit. Um, also, remember, saying no is very acceptable. It doesn't matter if someone's telling you, oh, your limits should be higher or I should be able to push you harder. Well, how are you reacting to the situation? Are you enjoying yourself? No? Then no is exactly the answer you need to provide. The minute a scene ceases to be satisfying and enjoyable for you, the submissive, that is when it must end. And mm -hmm. no one has the right to say that it has to go on. And finally, remember, you have friends and family who love and care about you. You probably have all kinds of friends that you don't even know about, because in a lot of these abusive situations in the 21st century, the rumor mill starts early. Chances are someone may have heard something about the situation you're in and may even be trying to reach out to you already. That's part of why you shouldn't let people cut you off from contact. You know, just mm -hmm. people care about you. You have worth. Don't throw yourself away and don't waste yourself on your abuser. I think we need to talk about, in a lot of abuse cases, people go back to their abuser after they've left. Yeah. It's a very sad fact. And especially if you are someone who is trying to help this person or witnessing from the sidelines, it can be very hard to prevent them if they are getting sucked back in and horrible to watch and it is a horrible thing um dysfunctional relationships have gravity to them it, it becomes like trying to get out of a well and you slip and you struggle and you slip and you struggle i think the best thing i can say on the subject is don't second guess yourself if you left the relationship it wasn't because things were so excruciatingly wonderful that you threw it all away. It, you left because there was a reason. You left because you were unhappy or you felt unsafe or you were been hurt or it was going in a dark direction or demands were being made of you you weren't comfortable with. Don't second guess yourself. And I know this is tough for any type of a relationship. When you make the break, you have to stick with it. 
And that's going to be very painful. And you'll probably have nights where you're crying into your pillow and you'll feel despondent and you'll question yourself. And at the other end of that is health and happiness. And over time, as your perspective comes back into focus, you'll begin to understand why you left and that it was a good idea. Yeah, loneliness can be a big thing. When you get out of a relationship, even if it's a horrible one, you can feel so lonely and lost. And at that point is when you're at your weakest. It can be so easy to just go back, but don't. Please don't. That's how a lot of people get into these situations in the first place, is that they feel so alone. They're looking for somewhere to belong. They're looking for a family. Guys, you can have that without being a punching bag. And if the person you're going to to alleviate that loneliness doesn't respect you and doesn't really care about your well-being, then, you know, to, to quote Brian the dog from Family Guy, I'd rather be alone than with someone who doesn't get me. Yeah, yeah. And and you will find family. Over time, you will meet people you connect with, are brilliant, and fill the loneliness in a way that your abusive relationship never could. And that will come. I promise you, it will come. And, you know, you're not going to be able to get to what you want if you allow the wrong guy to get in the middle of it, too. So that's another way to look at it is your abuser is not your goal. Your abuser is doing all the things that are in opposition to where you want to be. And as long as you stick with the abuser, you can't get to the relationship you're meant to be in, the one where you are affirmed and happy and you have a great power exchange dynamic, that relationship is out there for you somewhere. And your abuser is keeping you from it. They're not providing. Also, most will never use these literal words, but the it'll be different this time, I've learned, is a powerful lie. It'll if, never... Oh, go on. If they were capable of changing and being better, they would have done it earlier. It wouldn't have got to this point. You have to ask yourself, what has happened between when they said it'll be different this time and the last time? If you can't name one concrete thing other than they said, the answer is no, it will not. It will not be different. Did they go to counseling? Did they go to therapy? Did they, like, restore all of the things they took from you? No. They're just saying it'll be different? Talk is cheap. Think about what they've actually done to show that. Yeah. Um, so one last thing I need to talk about is we focus very much on people in abuse relationships. I think we need to talk about friends and the community. Yeah. Because I'm sick of people getting off. And they do so because people don't want to rock the boat and they feel awkward and they don't know how to approach the situation. And that has to stop. In the BDSM world, in the fetish world, in the kink world, we rely on each other in the community to protect each other. As soon as we stop telling people, you should steer clear of this person, they're an abuser, they are not trustworthy. There have been stories and bad blood around this person. Um, We fail them. We fail people. We do. And one of the ways that gets undermined, and I know this is a part of the community and has been since dirt was formed, is that the cattiness and the judgmentalness of people who are in these situations, that's not productive, and these are often people who need help. So making fun of their appearance instead of saying, we've got to do something to help this person, for example, that's not constructive, that's not good for the community, doesn't speak highly of the people doing it. 
a lot of that cattiness can come from a sense of frustration that people are making these choices. But by engaging in shaming the victim, what you're really doing is you're making it easier for the abuser to hold on to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think people need to be more direct. Um, a lot of things is I've known several very public people because, you know, we live in the age of Internet personality where no one would exactly say they're abusive or they're dangerous. They will say, well, I don't know about this person or, you know, uh, I'm not a fan, but they would never outright state why. And because of that, a lot of people who didn't know any better got suckered in. And that needs to stop. If, if your concern is that you don't want to spread rumors, cool, we approve of that. But provide some way to at least let people get the information they need. If you know someone is a known abuser, well, do you know someone who was abused by them and got out? If so, whenever that abuser's name comes up, maybe you should be steering people toward the person who got out because they can talk firsthand about their experiences. They can describe what they experience. And that takes out the whole fear of hearsay and gossip. Cite sources. If that's your concern, if that's what's keeping you quiet, is that you don't want to be a rumor monger, again, cool for you, but cite sources and have evidence so that you can speak out with confidence. And if you see this happening to someone personal, personal to you, a friend, speak up. I know there's this stupid urge people have where they don't want to rock the boat and it's like, it's not my place to say, um, well, I don't know for sure, and this person will be angry and I might lose my friend if I speak up against their partner, but it's not worth it. Do it. If you think your friend is in an unhealthy, abusive relationship, have a sit-down talk with them. Don't do it casually. Don't be cruel. Be very official about it and sit them down and say, I am worried about you. I do not think you're being treated right, and I am here for you. And I feel you need to get a. You don't even have to say you need to get away from this person. Just say someone on the outside saying this does not look healthy can be a big kick up the pants. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to say this as a dom who has sadly seen this happen again and again. If you're a submissive and you're hearing any of what we've said and you feel threatened by what we've said and you're locking down because you feel like a, a fetish you enjoy is being attacked, or maybe you feel like it's hitting too close to home with a relationship, or you feel like we're trying to keep you from pursuing your fetish all the way to its conclusion, that's kind of a warning sign too. If you can't listen to us and process the information and decide what makes sense and not, and instead you're locking down, that's usually a sign you've been conditioned to do one of two things. You've either been conditioned to accept the abuse and to push out all information to the contrary, which is a very bad sign, or it's like that line I was quoting from Annihilation. Almost no one commits suicide. Almost everyone self-destructs. If you're self-destructing, ask yourself, why? Why are you so keen to check out in a blaze of glory? And realize that probably you don't want to. So it's hard to hear a lot of what we're saying. Believe me, I know there are a lot of you who will be listening, who are in this situation or approaching this situation and who are feeling like you don't want to listen to another word and how dare those guys. We're not saying this to screw with your happiness. We're saying this because we are so concerned that abuse seems to be on the rise again and no one's stopping it. And just people, if you're new in the community and you're getting mixed messages where some people say this person is great, they're fantastic, and others are saying, 
I'm not so sure. Pay attention to that. People should just tell you directly, but if people are getting mixed reviews and people want to stay clear of them, there is no smoke without fire. You know, it's one, I, I do want to say sometimes the rumor mill can indeed try to tar people. Mm-hmm. But if you're getting a broad enough sampling, I mean, more than just one or two people, if like the whole community is like, I wouldn't do a scene with that guy if you put a gun to my head, then listen, at least look up some facts, dig a little, find out why they don't like the guy. Just get your facts, if nothing else. Yeah, yeah, just do your research and just remember, they don't look like monsters. They look like you and me. Yeah, because as we all know, and it's Halloween season, so it's the right time to say it, the scariest monsters of all are often people. Yeah. Well, now now that we've uh, thoroughly uh, taken you to a, a very sad place, let's give you a little bit of hope. And that is, there are some resources you can contact if you yourself are in an abusive relationship and need to get out, it does not matter if it's a BDSM relationship. It does not matter if you're afraid that someone might go, oh, I don't know about that kink stuff. They are there to help you. They will help you. They are not there to judge you. So um, I guess we'll lead off. If you are in the United States, we're going to provide this information in the show notes, but you can contact the National Domestic Abuse Hotline and the phone number for them is 1-800-799-7233. And then, uh, Greg, do you want to do the resource for the UK? That is 0808-2000-247. And that is the National Domestic Violence Helpline. And if you go to www.nationaldomesticviolencehelpline.org.uk, you can find their website. Yes, uh, for the National Domestic Abuse Hotline in the U.S., that's just www.thehotline.org. And then uh, finally, uh, for all of our listeners in Australia, um, if you're in New Zealand, I don't know if they might be able to point you at the right resources as well. Uh, We have 1-800-RESPECT, and the phone number for them is 1-800-737-732. Y'all have short phone numbers. And the website is www.1800respect.org.au. So, yeah, if you need to, the police are always there. Um, Call a trusted family member. Um, You can always go to a trusted friend um, and stick up for yourself. They will try and undermine you. They will try and push you down or use your low self-esteem against you. You are allowed to stand up for yourself. And just don't let the bastards grind you down. No, it's I know that this is a very troubling time in the world for everyone. It's I would go so far as to say this is probably the most turmoil we've seen in the world since the Cold War and a whole bunch of other really unpleasant stuff. And it's easy to get overwhelmed with the world and to retreat. But don't retreat into an abusive relationship. Whatever stressors are leading you to get into one, if you are in one, they pale in comparison to what you're going to experience on an everyday basis. Don't let depression or, you know, self-loathing or other things drive you to unhealthy behaviors. You can cope. You're strong. You've got this. You don't have to give in to your abuse. Uh, So I just think we, yeah. So on that note, I think we should go to our final thoughts and um, say goodnight for the 
podcast. I, I do as well. I, I know this has been a long one and I wish it had been a happier one, but I guess my final thought is going to be this is coming from a Dom. So if you're a submissive, just sit, listen. And that is the Dom that's right for you will genuinely love and care about you. And they're going to make sure that you stay safe in your scenes and satisfied. And if you're not getting that on behalf of all of the doms out there who actually do love and care about our subs very, very much, it's heartbreaking to see one get abused and used and in some cases even led to their death. Please don't stay in a bad situation. The rest of us have got you here. If you come looking for us, we're here to help. There is always a way out, even if it doesn't seem like it at the time, even if it's terrifying, there is a way out. (sighs) To to everyone else, take care. We're all we, each other is all we have. Um, If you see someone going down this road, speak up. Like, just putting a word in, letting them know you are there can make a world of difference. And I guess the last thought I'll close with is, like, my favorite quote of all time from Disney's Robin Hood. Yes, we, we furry types quote it a lot, but... Keep your chin up. Someday there'll be happiness again. You'll see. Good night and stay safe.